All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. So something you don't know uh, about me and the the process whereby I record these podcasts uh, is that I am a little bit on the OCD side. Uh, perhaps you you did know that generally speaking, um, and and what that means, what it what it kind of uh, looks like in real time for me here is that I tend to um, I tend to. Uh, uh, to sort of uh, begin recording a podcast and then uh, have uh, some something of a thought that you know this sucks or this sounds stupid or no one's going to like this or whatever it might be, and then I, I, uh, I the the resultant and corresponding behavior is I stop recording and start again, uh, and that sounds a little bit frankly on the embarrassing side. Well, I shouldn't say it sounds embarrassing; it is embarrassing to me uh, because you know here I am a podcaster to you. Um, sort of articulating the the behavioral elements and the uh, the empirically supported uh, uh, strategy for unraveling OCD. Meanwhile, here I am OCDing all over the podcast. Uh, so you know, it's uh, like I say, a bit embarrassing. But I wanted to go ahead and and reveal that to you and, and talk to you about uh, this 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 process because it's relevant. I mean, it's not particularly fun uh, for me to tell you this, but but I think that it is uh, productive in terms of teaching you the, um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, kind of giving you an example of the kind of thing that I'm talking about, again, specifically and in real time. Um, so even right now, as I'm, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm having the thought, this is stupid, you should start over. And I'm going to resist the the urge to to stop recording and to start over again. I'm, um, and I'm finding that as I'm as I'm doing that, here I am. I'm con- it, I'm still recording. I, the thought seems to be getting louder, right? And there's this continued sense that uh, oh man, I I should I should uh, start over. This is you know I'm wasting people's time and 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 it just you know this is this is just getting dumber as it goes. Uh, kind of thing. And so maybe I might use, uh, I, I talked to you in previous episodes about a, a strategy or, or a, uh, uh, you know, a, a tool uh, that's not really in the literature uh, for dismissing intrusive thoughts. I, I credited, if you'll recall, Dr. Monica Williams. I don't know if I did that erroneously or not, but uh, I did learn the technique from her uh, and I don't see it in the literature. Uh, and And that technique is what um, is called an exposure statement. And that is, so maybe, uh, this is getting dumber, but maybe it's not, I don't know. I I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how you're experiencing or perceiving this podcast, this particular episode. Maybe it's a marvelous waste of your time, but maybe it's not. And maybe, maybe you're actually getting something out of it. I don't know. Um, uh, th- this kind of thing. So I'm, I'm using the exposure statement to sort of dismiss the intrusive thought to begin to let it go. Right. And, and so that, so I'm, I'm not going to allow the, the urge to have teeth and to really get a hold of me. In other words, another way to say that is I am not going to uh, choose to stop the record button. Right. Uh, uh, forgive me to hit the record button. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to stop recording uh, no matter what may happen. Maybe this episode will get dumber and dumber as it goes, but maybe it won't. Maybe it'll turn out OK. I don't know what's going to happen. 
um, but I'm not going to hit the stop button. So, uh, but but I, I I sort of bring this to you because the reality is I I have been finding uh, over the last probably three weeks of time um, uh, a couple of things. One is I seem to be um, garnering more listeners. Um, and, uh, and as that's happening, I'm finding that I feel increased pressure for, uh, my to be good, right? I want, I want everything to be whatever, uh, you know, quality material and so on. So I feel this increased pressure and as, and so that's kind of the situation that's sort of the background. And then the thoughts become as I, okay. And then, then the, I, I suppose the more, uh, 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 kind of immediate context is, and then I'm recording, I'm recording a podcast and the thought becomes, you know, this is stupid. Uh, this doesn't sound good. Um, this is dumb. This is a waste of people's time. People aren't going to want to listen to you and so on. Right. Um, so, so then there's, uh, the corresponding behavior of, well, let me, <coughs> let me start over and, and let me start over again and, and again. And, um, and I've been noticing that it's, it's becoming, uh, more of a pronounced pattern, uh, to the point that it's becoming a problem for me. Not that it's, um, not that it's uh, super time consuming. It's not, um, at the same time, you know, some could argue, well, it kind of is, isn't it? You know, you, you may, you might make, you know, uh, uh, you know, five or six or eight or 10 attempts before this is a good one, you know, and not to say that they're, you know, many, many, many minutes long, but you know, it's enough that maybe it is time consuming. So again, the more I'm sharing with you here, the more I'm finding you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed and maybe I'm not going to post this podcast because I'm revealing so much. So that's another thought, right? The thought becomes people are going to think you're, uh, what is it, like a fraud? You know, people are going to think that you're phony and you're fake and, and people aren't going to, you know, be interested, you know, and, and check out the podcast. And so the thought is, oh, well, then I just won't. Oh, it's okay. I just won't post it. Well, that becomes something of a compulsion too, not to not post it, but to have the thought to tell myself, to reassure myself, eh, I'm not going to post it. I just won't post it then. I'm just, and then I'm kind of regulating my anxiety in the moment by saying, eh, I'm not going to post it. Eh, don't worry about it. We're good. Just keep rambling. We're not going to post it anyway. It's all good, brother. You know, that kind of thing. So that becomes a bit of a compulsion or a safety behavior or whatever the hell we want to call it today. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm going to make the decision. I'm posting this and maybe it's going to be a mistake. Um, maybe I'm going to begin to see listeners decline and, 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 and overall listens decline and, and, and I'm going to be a has been and all that stuff, all the, all the thoughts. Um, and again, it's not terribly fun for me to be disclosing the stuff to you. I, on the other hand, I guess I'm thinking maybe this is really productive for you to be, to be hearing, not because you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're hearing about my inner thoughts, but because you can relate to it, you know, my, my guess is you can sort of relate to, okay. Yeah. And, and so, so the thoughts happen and then this behavior comes in to sort of, you know, uh, get rid of the thought and, and to sort of safeguard, uh, you know, him from, um, you know, this fear uh, of whatever it is and, and so on. Um, you know, and ultimately it's a fear for me of incompetence, right? Because if, if listeners decline, then that must mean I'm incompetent or uh, I'm not good at what I do or whatever it is, which is again, incompetence, um, you know, and if, and if listeners decline, then, 
then that's what it that must be what it means. And so uh, maybe that's what it means, but maybe not. Uh, maybe maybe just they just think the podcast is junk. But I'm I'm not incompetent professionally. I don't know what that means. So I'm I'm even challenging that thought that that kind of deeper fear. I'm even challenging that thought with the exposure statement. Maybe that's true, but maybe it isn't. I don't really know. And of course, I don't know. I, I you know if, if you d- decide this is going to be the very last episode I ever listen to of this podcast, and like you know half of you decide today this is the last one. Hate this thing, you know, or whatever. Um, okay, maybe that means objectively that I'm incompetent. It happened to because I'm bad at what I do, but maybe there's another explanation. Maybe you stopped listening because you didn't find it entertaining enough, or maybe you stopped listening because your internet broke, or or maybe you stopped listening because uh, there were other pressing matters in your life that required your attention and, uh, and, you know, and so on. And all of these could be quite reasonable explanations as to why you stopped listening. But the fact remains, I don't know, right? I don't know. So maybe, maybe not. Uh, from my perspective, you might be able to enlighten me, but my guess is you're not going to write me and say, you know what? I stopped listening because you are absolutely incompetent. You're probably not going to do that. I hope you don't. But even if you did, even if you did write me and say that, I don't know that you actually think that. And you might say, well, Chris, and I really do think that. But I don't know what you really think. I know that you said that, but I don't know that you really think that. And I, I don't, I'm not quite sure if you're following what I'm trying to say. My point is I can't get in your head and hear your thoughts and know your priorities and so on. I can't do that. All I can do is hear the words that are coming coming out of your mouth and trust and assume that the words that are coming out of your mouth are rooted in your honest thoughts about me and my podcast. But I, I, I that is an assumption, right? I am making an assumption. So this is the this is the curse of quote unquote mind reading. You know, for those of us who are uh, oriented to social anxiety and so on, you know, oftentimes we're fearing fearing being a bit embarrassed, uh, you know, uh, or humiliated in social circumstances. And and one of our really, really common compulsive patterns is mind reading, right? We're looking around at faces, facial expressions, uh, and so on, and drawing conclusions about what people must be thinking about us, you know, and, and so on. Um, and, and so th- there's this, there's this, um, really important element to be able to say, I really don't know what they're thinking. Even if the face is like a, you know, a judgmental face or some sort of like, you know, pejorative face or, or critical or whatever it might be, uh, you know, I'm drawing a conclusion. And even if the person says, you know what, I think, dude, you suck. Like, okay. Uh, okay. Well, that doesn't feel good to hear, but I really don't know that that's what you really, really think. Because I mean, like, let's look at it the other way around. I might say, um, uh, you know, that guy is a really, really good guitar player, but I don't, I mean, he doesn't know that I really think that I'm just being nice, dude, you sounded really good tonight, you know, but maybe I actually thought that was absolutely the worst performance in the history of the world. You know, like, you know, he doesn't know. He just knows that I'm trying to, I'm paying him a compliment, but he doesn't know. You know, you follow what I'm trying to say. I, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels again. And once again, the thought is coming. This is a waste of time. You know, but no, I'm going to resist the urge to stop recording. I'm going to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. So anyways, um, I wanted to tell you that because I think that um, I, I, I suppose I, I, I want you to know that at the end of the day, I'm just like you, right? I'm, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm going through this life with you, just like you trying to identify compulsive patterns and stop them, strangle them to death. 
stop them from happening in my life because they have absolutely no productive purpose in my life but to make me uh, anxious and, and to perpetuate my symptoms and and so on. They 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 serve zero function. If I stop recording and I try again, guess what? You might hate that one too. I don't know. I don't know. And I might just go ahead and record this one and post it, even though against my better judgment. And you might love it. You're like, dude, that's the best episode I've ever heard that freaking guy do. That was so whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And that's the point, isn't it? I don't know. And so I'm not going to engage the compulsive patterns. Um, and I encourage you to do the same. So this is sort of where it comes down to it, but it's not that simple. It's just not that simple. And I never said that it was easy, but I did say it is simple and I would hold to that. It is very simple for me to not hit the record button or stop recording button. You know, it's simple. All I need to do is not hit it. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? There's anxiety and there's distress and there's loud thoughts and there's cautions and there's what ifs and there's, I don't know. Oh no. Oh no. It's not, it's not, um, easy to just continue on. Here we are almost 13 minutes into this, you know, blab fest. It's not, you know, easy. I'm just going to keep on going and then I'm going to post it, but it is simple. I'm just not going to hit the stop button. Right. So, you know, well, well, what about my, you know, my fears about this or my fears about that? And, and, uh, you know, and, and I sort of reach out to you from where I am saying, I'm sorry that you're suffering in that particular way, but it is simple to not do the compulsions. It is not easy, right? It is hard to resist and to prevent your compulsive patterns, but let's not get it twisted. It is simple to say no. It is simple to stop. It is simple to pull the C out of the OCD to resist and to prevent the compulsions, but it is not easy. So we'll do our best together, my friends. We'll do our best together uh, to uh, to uh, identify and to stop the compulsive patterns. So, um, so fair enough. So I I did receive uh, a a, um, a really uh, affirming email uh, from from one of you, and and I always appreciate. Uh, correspondences and and so on, uh, and uh, one of the one of the questions that um, so thanks very much for listening to to this individual and to all of you. Thanks for checking out the podcast. So uh, the one of the questions that uh, that seems to to be uh, coming up, I guess there's there's two questions that that um, um, uh, that that pop up and uh, sort of the. Um, uh, sort of the the uh, the background uh, is the individual uh, has um, experienced uh, um, a an array of OCD symptom dimensions. Um, you know, you know, kind of the, the I think the word would be the gambit. You know, lots and lots of uh, running the spectrum, all the colors of the rainbow, as it were, in terms of the the subtypes or symptom dimensions of OCD. Um, in a presentation. And, and I want to say, well, that's pretty normal, right? That's pretty normative. Uh, maybe normal isn't the most helpful word to use here, but normative meaning uh, representative of the OCD population, right? That's, that's fairly normative of the population that, that OCD will evolve and, and shift and change 
that doesn't happen for everybody. So if that doesn't apply to you, um, I'm not saying that that's not normal. No, no, no. But there is this sort of thematic element in which you see individual symptomatology sort of evolving. Um, what's that? What's that? Uh, the, the lizard that, that changes, a, I think, a chameleon or something. OCD can sort of change its presentation uh, when you crack the code, when you stop the compulsions. Sometimes it'll even do it just for fun, you know. Um, but oftentimes when you start identifying the compulsions and and getting a good grip on them and stopping them, OCD will sort of um, will sort of uh, shift uh, its uh, it, it's it, it, the fear and the and the corresponding compulsions. So, anyways, I don't mean to get uh, too far off of the the email, but I, I do mean to say that in terms of um, uh, you know in terms of the the symptom dimensions that the individual in question uh, has experienced. Uh, that is again to say the subtypes and and an array of them. Yeah, that's pretty common, um, and it sounds like the individual has been suffering uh, symptomatologically speaking for a good while. And uh, yeah, I, I am genuinely sorry to hear that. Uh, you are uh, among the individuals. That is to say, the reason that I do this podcast. I, I I I'm sitting here talking because of guys and gals like you who. Uh, who uh, suffer uh, sort of ongoingly and 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 often just sort of are left scratching your head as to why why is it just continuing on and on? Um, so uh, and, you know, and, and I guess here I am divulging my own story and my own present experience with um, obsessive and compulsive symptoms uh, to sort of give you an example of uh, this is be this is how we begin to get a grip on it. We don't pay attention to the anxiety. We try not to pay too much attention to the intrusive thoughts, although they're going to happen, but we really focus on the compulsive patterns and stopping them right in the, in the ever present moment. Um, and the ever, you know, now is all we've got. We don't have then we don't have uh, you know, we only have now the now is what we've got. And, and in this moment of, of decision, I am going to stop the compulsions, right? Anyways, okay, so pretty pretty normative to have a various sometimes even um, you know um, presentations that are that are um, occurring at the same time. I don't mean to use the word comorbid because that indicates uh, you know different diagnostic um, uh, categories or presentations. That is to say, different illnesses, and and we're not talking about different illnesses, but it's not uncommon to, to present with different subtypes at the same time. That's pretty again, normative as well. Uh, so uh, the, the next uh, question that the, the, the individual seems to be uh, sort of asking um, is, uh, uh, the, the individual calls it uh, meta OCD uh, and sort of asks, are you familiar with that terminology? Uh, I, I um, Or I have heard this mentioned as meta OCD. I can't say that I have heard that term before. Um, uh, meta here, uh, I've heard the term metacognition in graduate school and became familiar with metacognition. That would simply mean thinking about thinking. So meta OCD, I would assume would be, uh, you know, thinking about OCD, which makes good sense. It's a fine term. Um, and that's that seems to be the idea that the individual is conveying as well, that I'm, I'm thinking about my OCD, specifically meaning not ruminating, although that seems to be part of it, but looking for the thoughts. Uh, am I am I still thinking about it? Am I still thinking about it? Am I still thinking about it? Is it still happening? Are the thoughts still there? That kind of thing. Um, that is a compulsion. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see if I'm getting better is ultimately the idea, right? Uh, this will often happen for individuals who are beginning to make progress 
and then they're they're they don't they're not thinking about let's use this term metacognition as a compulsion. They're 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 just thinking about is it working? Is it working? You know, I, I want to see that it's working, and that makes a lot of sense. Why would that be a compulsion? It makes a lot of sense. But it is the idea that I'm trying to make sure that I am. Uh, better than I was. I'm trying to make sure that the anxiety is going away. I'm trying to make sure that the thoughts are leaving, um, and I, I'm checking, and I'm and I'm looking, and I'm and I'm surveying, and and I'm thinking about the OCD, right? So the, the metacognition can be a pretty unhelpful dynamic here. If the trouble is, it once again, like rumination, is I'm talking super fast. Let's slow down. Um, you know, it, it, uh, what are we talking about? Now it's gone. Um, metacognition. Yeah. It's a, it's a, 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 um, mental or internal compulsion. So stopping mental compulsions, uh, can be, uh, really tough. So we talked about how do I stop ruminating in a previous episode? We talked about the five senses technique in the literature. It's called grounding and it was initially, uh, uh, developed and researched for trauma victims. I believe I mentioned that. So I would encourage you to go back and check that out. How do I get out of my head? Uh, this is not for the purpose of avoiding intrusive thoughts, but it is for the purpose of avoiding mental compulsions. It is not a compulsion to stop a compulsion, but it is a compulsion to get rid of an intrusive thought, right? So we don't want to use five senses to get rid of the intrusive thoughts. That is to say, to avoid them. I don't want to get out of my head so, within, so that I don't have the intrusive thoughts. That's a compulsion. But I do want to get out, my, get out of my head so that I'm not ruminating. I do want to get out of my head so that I'm not checking for the thoughts, you know, you don't need to find the thoughts. The thoughts will find you. You know what I'm talking about? They find me. I don't have to go looking for them, right? They seem to know exactly where I am and they come find me. You don't need to go find the thoughts, right? Uh, you follow what I'm saying? So uh, I would encourage you to check out the, that episode, whatever it's called. Um, how do I stop ruminating or something to this effect? Um, the next question was uh, related to, uh, it seems, uh, psychotropic meds. And, um, sort of like, uh, uh, if I'm, if I'm remembering, um, uh, the question, uh, correctly, um, okay. Okay. Um, I go, I go through cycles where I beat myself up for using medication, um, like it's a crutch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, th this sounds a bit like a kind of a depressive thought right? That, that tends to happen for, for, you know, depression, um, uh, presents an approximately six and a half. Uh, I think that the, some of the, the research suggests as much as eight out of every 10 individuals who are meeting diagnostic criteria for OCD are also experiencing uh, a major depressive episode. Sometimes it's recurrent, meaning it, it kind of comes and goes throughout the lifespan. Other times it's a single episode that simply is comorbid with the OCD. But either way, the research is pretty clear that between six and eight, let's say seven, um, you know, to sort of summarize the, the various uh, studies, um, uh, you know, about, so that's a lot, right? So seven out of every 10 people who, are ha who have OCD also have depression. So it's possible, quite possible, in fact, that... Uh, that the thoughts that are coming uh, with the usage of the psychotropic med, uh, you know, are kind of depressive thoughts. Uh, so uh, this episode is not about depression, uh, but in terms of um, in terms of the the crutch thought, the reality of the situation is lots and lots and lots of people around the world are on psychotropic medications for um, 
you know, for OCD. Um, uh, so I, I think that um, I can appreciate what you mean. And I personally recall uh, taking uh, medication Cymbalta, I believe it was. Uh, here I am disclosing to you again. This is quite a this is quite an intense episode for me. I'm like really sharing a lot with individuals um, uh, uh, with whom I've not spoken uh, personally before. But anyways, um, yeah, I remember I remember the feeling of I just don't like this. But at the end of the day, it was helpful. Uh, at the end of the, the the cycle, you know, not the end of the day, um, because it takes like four to six weeks to titrate up on a on an antidepressant. So it's not at the end of the day, but, you know, at the end of the the depressive cycle, um, I found it, it was life changing. It was life changing. So, you know, I think the, the at the end of the day, if you'll forget the phrase, um, being able to take the medication, if it's helpful, um, is uh, let's be thankful that we have them. Right. Um, in any case, uh, finally, the the uh, curious about your experience with SSRIs, OCD, and what a recommended recommended path is. Um, again, thanks for checking out the podcast. Okay, so uh, SSRIs, uh, that's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I actually just did a podcast on that uh, a couple of episodes ago. Um, I don't think it was the last one, but the one before that or something like this, uh, dealt with different substances, weed and so on. Uh, SSRIs, there's lots and lots of good research that supports the efficacy of SSRIs uh, for the reduction of uh, intrusive thoughts. Um, I, I, I believe the research also indicates a reduction in emotionality, that is to say anxiety. Um, they're not anxiolytics, right? They're not benzodiazepines, completely different classification of drug. Um but in any case, uh, the SSRIs are amply proven to reduce the frequency of intrusive thoughts, uh, unwanted thoughts, um, and thereby they also reduce the, emo the emotionality that corresponds and also the need for um, the engagement of compulsion. So the whole thing is mitigated by the SSRIs. So do I think that they're good? Well, the research says that they're quite effective. So yeah, I think that they're good. Um, but uh, the downside um, uh, is uh, the research is also shown in terms of uh, longitudinal outcome data and and longitudinal that that just means over the course of time studies uh, for particular cases. So we're looking at your your symptoms over the course of months and years of time uh, before treatment, during treatment, and long after treatment, and looking at how to how you know the stability of your progress is essentially longitudinal studies, and um, and the SSRIs are totally ineffective when we stop, right? So when we titrate off of the med, um, then for about 90% of, uh, of subjects, that is to say people involved in the study, um, symptoms came back within 14 days. So that's bad news, right? So what does that mean? Well, that means you got to stay on the SSRI. Uh, so, or let's try a different, uh, you know, a different, uh, um, uh, you know, um, intervention, right? So the SSRIs are, are really good, uh, really good, really effective while we're taking them, but we've got to stay on them. Otherwise we'll, we'll, uh, um, you know, we'll experience a, um, you know, a reemergence of symptoms. So, okay. So anyways, uh, recommended path. Um, well, I, there's another research study. Um, I, I'm struggling at the, at the, I'm not going to say struggling. I can't recall, uh, you know, the, uh, anything about the study or studies, but um, but in effect, the the studies seem to indicate that the minority, not the majority, the minority of patients need SSRIs to make progress. Uh, so I would suggest to you, my friend, um, 
to see a, a good therapist, um, um, uh, to, to, and when I say good, I mean a qualified, uh, OCD specialist. I don't just mean the average dude who has a clinical credential. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a, w- a little while, I don't mean to poo poo the average psychotherapist, but I think we all know, unfortunately, that not every OCD or forgive me, not every psychotherapist, psychologist, uh, social worker, uh, uh, marriage and family therapist or whatever, um, you know, knows what he or she is doing when it comes to specific diagnostic presentations. I mean, psychopathology is a big place and, uh, and OCD is a very specific animal and not everybody knows how to do it. And and that's a reality. It's an unfortunate reality. <clears throat> and it's a reality that the, that the average, uh, individual in the clinical community doesn't really want you to know. Um, but, oh, I'm running short on time. Okay. But it, it is a reality anyways. Uh, so I would advise that you find uh, someone who is, is expert in the area. Um, and, and who can help you to, to, to make um, real progress by way of exposure and response prevention. So exposure and response prevention is um, by a very long distance, the most researched uh, and uh, empirically supported intervention for OCD. There's lots of stuff out there, you know, from, from ACT to cognitive therapy to psychodynamic theory, uh, Rogerian work, um, uh, again, psychopharmacology, lots and lots of stuff. And some of it's really good. Um, the trouble is the average consumer doesn't really know what the therapist is oriented to, right? I, I, if I'm not a therapist, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what your therapeutic orientation is because I'm not a therapist. I don't really know what you're doing. Anyway, I'm really running out of time now. It's quickly going. Um, so anyways, um, I really wanted to ask you guys some questions today, but I was just not going to have the time unless I do a whole nother one. And I'm just not going to do another one now. No. But I did make it through the whole podcast without hitting the stop button. So I didn't do the compulsion. I am proud um, of myself. Um, I did it. I did it. Okay. Thanks for checking out the podcast, my friends. Um, feel free to reach out to Chris Lines, uh, re, uh, you know, if you have any questions. Chris Lines04 at gmail.com. And thanks for checking out OCD uh, Straight Talk.